Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Before we get into Chris Ballard's end-of-the-season press conference, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Guys, I can't say enough good things about Chris Ballard. I absolutely love this man. I love the job he's done since arriving in Indianapolis back in 2017. I could listen to him talk football all day long, but I'm limiting this to his top 10 quotes from yesterday's press conference. I cut up the audio. We'll play the audio. Then we'll analyze and discuss what Ballard said. Starting off with this first quote, Ballard on in-house free agents and not being able to pay all of them when it comes to free agency. Their careers are short. They're short. They're hard. And financially, they need to do the best they can do. And we want them to do good. Like, we tr- we pour everything we can into player development and our players being the best they can be. And there's a point when change happens and their contracts are up and they're going to have a chance to hit the market. Well, look, if another team offers more money than we do, good for him. I mean, sometimes I get pissed about it because I don't want to lose the player, but always able to take a step back and say, okay, you know, we've done our job and the player's done his job and he, and he, him and his family deserve to be rewarded. If another team offers more money than we do, then good for him. You have college programs that don't care about their players as much as Ballard cares about his players. He even said, we pour money and resources into player development But if these guys hit the market and somebody offers more money, we want them to take it. We want these guys to do good. Their careers are short. They're hard. And that's just the class of Chris Ballard. I also believe Frank Reich and Jim Ursay in this organization. And you don't hear that very often. Even this quote from yesterday, I never saw this on Twitter. This was not one of the viral quotes of yesterday's press conference. We're going to get to some of those. But this quote was kind of just swept under the rug. But you don't hear general managers talk like this. Usually, you're dead to me when you're gone, but not Chris Ballard. He really cares. And there's a couple guys, Anthony Walker, who he talks about in this one. We're going to get to a quote on Walker, who he has an incredible relationship with. He wants him to make money. But you look at Okariki and Leonard, and there's just not going to be a lot of snaps next year for Anthony Walker. And it doesn't really make too much sense to pay him starter money to be a backup. And... Why would you give him backup money to be a backup when another team out there is going to give him starter money? And Ballard wants to see Anthony Walker make money. Marlon Mack, it's so unfortunate what happened to him with the torn Achilles. But when you look at Marlon Mack, it just might not make sense for us to bring him back. But hopefully somebody out there pays him like a starting running back. Because when he's healthy, we all know how great Marlon Mack is. So I love this quote. This is a quote I wanted to give a lot of love to because I didn't see it on social media. And this is a quote that just really highlights what a great person and a great general manager Chris Ballard is. He cares about his players when they're in Indianapolis and after they leave Indianapolis. And that doesn't just go for draft and develop guys. That goes for everybody. If you bring in a guy like Xavier Rhodes or Justin Houston and then they leave, you still want them to do well. So that's just the person, the man Chris Ballard is. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. I think it's something that should be highlighted and should be celebrated because it's a rare trait to find in a general manager. Most guys, 
you're either on my team or you're dead to me. Not Chris Ballard. He truly cares about these guys as people. He cares about their families. He cares about their kids. He cares about those relationships that he's formed with them. But at the same time, he's not stupid. He's not just going to pay a guy because he likes a guy. He's going to pay a guy if a guy deserves it and if the market value makes sense. But if the market value is greater than how we value them, we're going to let them walk. Now, maybe the market raises the price and then it makes us raise our price, but Ballard is pretty set in his ways. He's set on his market price, and he wants to see his guys. You know, it sucks. He says he's pissed sometimes, but then he steps back and he realizes, you know what, this guy, he's going to have a short career. It's the NFL. Guys don't last long. He's got to go get paid, and they could pay him more than we could pay him, so we have to let him go. And that's love, right? When you love somebody, you got to let them go. That's what they say. When you love somebody or you love something, you have to let it go sometimes. And that's kind of how Ballard conducts business sometimes with these in-house free agents. Here's Chris Ballard on the cornerback position. Xavier Rhodes, who came in on a one-year deal, played really well for the Colts. And then Rocky Asin, who had an up-and-down sophomore season. Xavier had a heck of a year. Really bought into what we were doing. Um, I give Jonathan Gannon a lot of credit for that. He had a relationship um, with with Xavier coming in from Minnesota. Um, and Xavier worked and bought into everything we'll do. And I think we'll wait and see, you know, how it works out here in free agency. Um, but, you know, we like Xavier. As for Rock, Rock had his good moments and he had his bad. He had his rough moments. No different than a lot of second-year corners. Um, I'll tell you a story. I, I remind you all the time. Charles Tillman, who I just – I think Charles Tillman's a Hall of Fame player. That's just my opinion. I'll never forget – I don't know if it was Charles's second or third year we played Carolina in the playoffs, and Steve Smith just had a monster day against him. Um, Charles Tillman went on to have a great career. Um, it, is, it is hard to play corner in this league. The rules make it hard. They call P.I. on any freaking bump that happens. So it is very difficult to play corner. Rock knows he's got to make some improvements, but I think he's got the right mental attitude to do it. He had some good moments this season. Um, they weren't all bad, um, but he also had some rough moments, which is natural for a, for a second-year corner. Um, but we think he'll work and he'll get, he'll get better. First off with Xavier Rhodes, it sounds to me like Ballard loves everything about Xavier Rhodes. He was really satisfied with how he played last year. He came in, he bought in, he did all the right things. It sounds to me like Ballard wants him back, but is hesitant because A, Ballard doesn't want to give away a lot in these pressers, and B, because I think Ballard knows the market and he knows that a team is going to pay Xavier based off one year like it's 2016. And if you could be guaranteed this level of productivity from him over the next three, four years, then it's worth it. But if Ballard, who's the smartest guy in the room and is the guy who saw the discount last year and knew that Xavier could come in and play at this level, if he looks at 2019 and 20 and is averaging it out and saying another year older, another year older, another year older, he might walk and let Xavier go take a three or four year deal with another team who's paying him like he's in his prime when Ballard knows we might have just stole one and got one more year and just squeaked it out of him and he doesn't have that much left. So I trust Ballard's opinion, but when I look at this corner room and I look at the boundary corners, we're a corner short with Xavier Rhodes. And we already have a hole right now at left tackle, at edge rusher, the quarterback situation, of course, is always going to be looming over our heads. And then with a hole we already have at corner, you're going to make that hole that much bigger if you don't bring Xavier Rhodes back. So I think it's definitely a topic of discussion. I definitely think it's a guy you want back, 
but we're going to have to see how the market plays out. And then with Rocky Asin, I thought everything he said was very fair, very honest, very open because Rock did struggle. He had his ups, but he had his downs, and Ballard acknowledged the downs. It also sounds like Ballard does not want to give up on him, and nor should you with a second-year corner. He also references Charles Tillman, so you're bringing up a borderline Hall of Fame, an all-pro player, and you're using that comparison, saying this guy struggled. I was with him in Chicago. He struggled early on, and then he turned into a great corner in the National Football League. So, Maybe he sees similar things, and obviously, if you bring him up as a comparison, maybe he sees a similar trajectory for Rock's career, and then he also takes a shot at the officials, saying, you can't breathe, you can't bump a guy, everything's a flag in this league, and Rock, being a super physical corner, it's going to take him a little bit longer of a learning curve to stop playing so much with his hands and stop playing so physical downfield, so that's something he's going to have to improve on, but it sounds to me like Ballard... And we knew this going in. Ballard is not ready to give up on Rock. Ballard still has faith in him. And he acknowledges that there's been struggles along the way. He's not going to say, oh, Rock's been great. What are you talking about? But he's going to say, you know what? There's been some ups. There's been some downs. Let's not make it like it's all bad. There's been some good things too. He has to get better. He will get better. Ballard is not afraid of holding anybody accountable. But we also have to be fair. The media and us as fans, we have to be fair and we have to be patient with Rock, he's only in his second year, and he plays one of the most difficult positions to transition from, from college to the pros. Here's Ballard on the quarterback position and drafting a quarterback and what happens if you miss on that guy. And we've said this numerous times on the show, and Ballard kind of gave a quote similar to this last year, one of my favorite quotes of Chris Ballard's from yesterday on drafting a quarterback in the first round. All of you go back and look at first-round quarterbacks drafted over the last 10 years. It is not an exact – I mean, everybody just thinks you take one and you're going to fix the problem. Look, taking one will get you all off my ass for a little bit, but the second that guy didn't play well, I'm going to be the first one run out of the building. I promise you, we get the importance of the quarterback position. But taking one – and the difference between just taking one – and taking the right one um, is is the key in our minds. I absolutely love this quote. The difference between taking one and taking the right one is the key. And that is the key because you see so many organizations, they take a quarterback in the first round, they feel locked to that guy. They feel tied to that quarterback. And then you see, like right now, Pace is coming back in Chicago not only did he miss on Mahomes and miss on Watson, but he took Mitch Trubisky. If he took a different player, it would be a little bit different. He took a quarterback. He feels locked and tied to that quarterback. And now let's see. Does he does he give him another contract this year? Does he extend Mitch Trubisky? Because now he's coming back. Him and Nagy are coming back in Chicago. So what do they do there at the quarterback position? You see a lot of these teams, they take a quarterback in the first round, and then all of a sudden, that quarterback becomes a long-term investment. Everything you do, like it's different with Jacob Eason. Hopefully he turns into something, but we took him in the fourth round, so we're not tied. We don't have an investment. We have a very small investment. We don't have a large investment in Eason. But you take a quarterback in the first round that you don't love, you don't get the right guy, you put yourself in a huge hole, and Ballard's not going to do that. And he says, everybody's jumping on me, everybody's kicking me to go get a quarterback in the first round. But then if I get the wrong guy, and it might not even be my fault, we're drafting 21st 
if that guy's not on the board and we just take a quarterback to take a quarterback, our next favorite quarterback who we don't really love, that's not really the right guy, and then you guys all see that he's not the right guy, you're going to be kicking me out of town in two years. So this all goes into the patience, kind of like Rock. Be patient with the quarterback. You don't want to reach. Because if you reach for a quarterback, you can really, really, really set yourself back. And is quarterback the biggest need? Without a doubt. But at 21, you could take the best available left tackle and you could develop him. With quarterbacks, a little bit different. You don't want to put all your eggs in a basket of a quarterback that you don't absolutely love. So this was my favorite quote or one of my favorite quotes of the day from Chris Ballard. This got the most national attention. A lot of people were talking about this quote and they thought it was funny. Haha, they want me to take a quarterback. If not, you guys are going to kick me out of town if he doesn't pan out. But there's so much truth to it. The same people that are begging him to just take a quarterback to take a quarterback are the same people that are going to be writing articles, kicking him out of town, and trying to get him fired if that quarterback doesn't pan out. So I love this quote, and then I love the second part of this quote that most people weren't talking about. You want to take a quarterback that you fall in love with. You want to take the right guy. It's not just about taking a quarterback. It's about taking the right quarterback. And ironically enough, here's Chris Ballard on quarterback Jacob Eason, who they drafted last year in the fourth round. Uh, we like him when we drafted him. We think he's really talented. I mean, it was such a different year not having an, you know, usually you get an off season. So we'd get all of, we get a rookie mini camp. We'd get May. Um, we got preseason games to really get to evaluate them in the bullets. Um, and we've still got to go through that, you know, with Jacob. Um, but let me tell you this about Jacob Eason. He kept his mouth shut and he worked. He was in a great quarterback room with a lot of experience and got to take all that in. I, I visited with him for about 30 minutes the other day. I asked him, how did you grow? What'd you learn? And, you know, he had a great answer um, that just watching Philip and Jacoby and Frank and Nick and Marcus talk ball, how they carried themselves, how they worked, how they were professionals, all of that was something that he absorbed. Now he, he knows he's got to go to work this off season, which I think he will, but I, you know, Jacob's very talented. He's extremely talented. I don't know if well, y'all want to, but, you know, I, I remember we were, I can't remember what game it was, where he was out before the game throwing to some wideouts and a coach on another team who I'm close with walked up to me and said, who is that? I said, yeah, it's our young quarterback, Jacob Beeson. Um, so it doesn't take long to see his talent. Now we just got to see him play. Another great answer and a great little story there at the end where Ballard has a coach of another team come up to him in a pregame watching Jacob Eason throw a ball saying, who the hell is that guy? Because most teams don't have six foot six rocket arm quarterbacks hanging out in sweatpants before a game, not dressing in the game. And Ballard's like, that's our young quarterback, Jacob Eason. So I definitely think they have expectations. I think they have high hopes. Ballard also said that he's not so sure that Jacob Eason's ready to be his backup next year. So that could be a little GM talk, a little coach talk. Because you think back to last year and Ballard said after the draft that he has to beat out Chad Kelly. Now, obviously, he did beat out Chad Kelly and he stayed on the 53-man roster. He made the roster and he stayed on the roster all 18 weeks, the 17 in the regular season, plus wildcard weekend. He stayed on the active 53-man roster. So they never cut him with injuries, with guys getting COVID. They never risked Jacob Eason becoming a free agent or getting claimed off the waiver wire or getting scooped up off their practice squad. They kept him on the roster all season long for a reason. I definitely think they see something in him. They see the talent. They see the arm strength. 
They see the size. They see the unteachable traits that Jacob Eason possesses. Now, what are my opinions on Jacob Eason? I liked him at Washington. I thought he was a decent college quarterback. I thought that he could have benefited from another year of college. If he went back and played this past year, even though I know the Pac-12 was all screwed up, but if he went back to school and he had a normal year and there was no COVID and he tore it up, could he have been a first-round pick? I do believe he could have been. You look at Joe Burrow. Before his senior year at LSU, he was a sixth-round pick. Then he goes out and he breaks every SEC record under the sun and he becomes the first overall pick. Do I think Jacob Beeson would have done that if he went back to Washington? No. But he has a lot of the Justin Herbert natural abilities. He has the size. He has the height. He has the arm strength. He has a lot of things that you can't teach. Now, you take a guy who has all the things you can't teach and you put him with a great teacher in Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni behind a Hall of Fame quarterback in Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. That is invaluable. That's better than going back to school for a year and playing. Because you get to sit behind Phillip Rivers, you get a full year in the Frank Reich offense, taking reps in practice, at least second team reps against the starting defense. You get all those reps in practice. So you right now as a player are way more developed than you would have been playing another year of college football, especially with what was going on this year in the Pac-12. Washington played four games this year. What would Jacob Easton have gotten from four games of college football? What would he have learned? How would he have grown? How much could his draft stock really have risen playing four games when you have the SEC and these other leagues that played full seasons? The SEC played a full schedule this year, and there's more tape on those guys. Those guys got more reps, and Eason wouldn't have if he went back to school. So for him personally, it couldn't have worked out any better, and it sounds like he's made the most out of this opportunity because Ballard said he came in, he kept his mouth shut, and he worked. And what was the biggest knock on Jacob Eason? Why did the six foot six rocket arm quarterback fall to the fourth round? Because there were rumors that he had work ethic problems. He had a lack of maturity. Well, he came in to a great quarterback room. He worked. He kept his mouth shut. And we don't really know what he's going to look like on the field. And hopefully this year we have a preseason and we get to see him out there and they get a normal training camp and all that stuff so they can really start to evaluate Jacob Beeson. Obviously, he's far, 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 far from a finished product. Ballard's not even sure he's ready to be a backup quarterback yet, let alone a starting quarterback in this league. But he came in, he's done it the right way, he's done all the right things, he's kept his mouth shut, and he's continued to work. And that was the biggest knock on him, and he's got the right guys to learn from. You could be in a much worse situation if you're Jacob Eason. You could have been stuck in a situation where you're with the New York Jets, and you have a young quarterback in front of you who has a ton of development to do himself. And Darnold, you could have had a coach like Adam Gaze, but he didn't. He came to Indianapolis, he had a great leader in Jacoby. He had a great quarterback, a great leader, a Hall of Famer in Phillip Rivers, and he had Frank Reich. So you really couldn't have had a better situation. And there are Colt fans that think right now Jacob Eason's the guy. He's the franchise quarterback. He's the guy. How do you know that? You can't possibly know that because we just haven't seen him play. You might love his tape at Washington, but we haven't seen him play at this level, not even in the preseason yet. And then there's other Colt fans that want to write this guy off and make it like he's not part of this team. He was on the 53-man roster all year for a reason. They definitely see something in Jacob Eason. Plus, if you're a Colt fan, don't you want him to be the guy? In a perfect, ideal world, 
wouldn't Jacob Beeson step in in two years and in 2022 and beyond be the starting quarterback, be the franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts and it all work out? Wouldn't that be the best case scenario? Because then think about it. We never have to use a first round pick. We never have to trade draft capital to go get the guy. In the fourth round, like the Cowboys hitting on Dak, in a perfect world, in the fourth round, we would have just gotten our franchise quarterback who needs a little bit of development over the next year or so but could step in in 2022 and be the starting quarterback. That is the goal. Like That's the ideal plan. Now, most plans don't work out perfectly like that, but if you ask me, Luke, would you rather have Jacob Beeson as your starting franchise quarterback and be a 8.5 out of 10 or go draft a quarterback in the first round to be a franchise quarterback and him become the same thing, 8.5 out of 10? Well, obviously, I'm going to take the guy who we already have in-house who we only needed to give up a fourth-round pick to get in the 2020 draft. So, perfect world, Jacob Beeson's the guy. Is the world perfect? Absolutely not. Look around. The world is not perfect. But I'm going to hold out hope that Jacob Beeson's the guy. And Ballard and Reich and all the they're going to continue to develop him. And whatever happens, happens. So, we'll see what happens. But... Right now, I'm not looking at Jacob Easton like a fringe roster guy. He's not Chad Kelly. To me, he's a guy with potential, and we'll see what the future holds. Here's Chris Ballard on the future status of Phillip Rivers. I didn't commit either way. What I told Phillip was we need to both take a month and decide on what direction we want to go. This after he told me, say, Chris, look, I'm not 100% sure. Well, you need somebody to be 100% sure. Um, and so we'll go that way. Do we want Philip back? Yes. I'll tell you that. Yes. But I told Philip, we've got to go through the process. I got to do my job. Um, I need to go to the process because, look, if if this was a 30-year-old Philip Rivers or a 35-year-old Philip Rivers, we're not having this talk. But this is a 39-year-old Philip Rivers who, you know, might have won maybe two years left. So I just told Philip, I was, I was honest with him. I said, look, I need to go through the process. I said, do we want you back? Yeah. I said, but I need to go through the process. And he needs to go through the process with him and, and Tiff, Tiffany and the family if he wants to go and play again. This is a great answer. And what I love so much about this answer is it just screams that this guy gets it. Chris Ballard gets it. Earlier this week, I tweeted, yes, I want Philip Rivers back. Yes, I believe he's earned a second year in Indianapolis. But with that being said, we have to explore all our options. If you have an opportunity to, let's say, trade for Matthew Stafford, who comes in five years younger than Philip Rivers, and it could really erase the need for a quarterback for the next half decade, then yeah, you have to go make that move and you have to bring in Matthew Stafford because Philip Rivers is not 30. He's not 35. He's a 39-year-old man who will be 40 years old the final week and playoffs of the 2021 season. So Phillip Rivers is not a spring chicken, and you need to take that into consideration when making a decision. And then also, Philip has a decision to make, and he has to be 100% sure. Because even if Matthew Stafford's not available, and Matt Ryan's not available, and Sam Donald's not available, and I have to now make a decision, and Rivers tells me, I'll come back, but I'm kind of one foot in one foot out I'm not going to want him back he's going to have to be a hundred percent in if I want to bring him back on this win now team where I want to go out and win a Super Bowl now knowing Philip Rivers knowing his makeup knowing his character knowing the type of person and player he is if he comes back it'll be a hundred percent he's not going to come back and have one foot in one foot out. if he comes back 
he'll be 100% in. But I respect the fact that he's going to take a month. He's going to really sit down with his wife and think about them and their nine kids or whatever. Maybe it's 10 by now. He's pumping one out every week. And we will see what the future holds for him and his family. And if he wants to come back and Ballard takes a month to scout the league and to evaluate and to check and call and call the lines and see if a guy like, let's say, Matthew Stafford is available. And if he is, I'm sorry, Phil. I love you. I want you back, even if you want to come back. But I'm sorry. There's just a better option for the team that fills the spot a little bit longer than you or a lot longer than you because five years in the National Football League is an eternity. And Matthew Stafford is only 18 months older than Andrew Luck. Not to say he's Andrew Luck, but... Age-wise, he's a relatively young quarterback, especially the way these guys have been lasting. And you bring in Matthew Stafford. You put him behind this offensive line. You give him our weapons. You give him our defense. You give him our run game. You give him Frank Reich. I think he'll flourish in Indianapolis, and he'll flourish for four, five, six years, unlike Phillip Rivers, who unfortunately, due to his age, doesn't have that much left in the tank. I think he has a year, and like Ballard said, Ballard said it perfectly. He has a year, maybe two left, but... We're trying to win in 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. And if you could get a guy like Stafford or even a guy like Matt Ryan who's up there but a little bit younger than Rivers, it just expands that stopgap. Because you could still continue to look for a franchise quarterback in the draft, but now you have more time. Now it's not, okay, we really got to figure this out now. Now it's, okay, with Matt Ryan, maybe we have three drafts to figure it out. With Matthew Stafford, maybe we have five drafts to figure it out. And then it gives you more opportunities to go and find that guy. With Phillip Rivers, the clock is ticking because of his age. But I thought Ballard just nailed this one because, yeah, I want Phillip Rivers back. But at the same time, we have to explore all our options. Here's Chris Ballard on the retirement of Anthony Costanzo and the relationship they have formed over the last couple of years. Anthony Costanzo is the most underrated left tackle in the National Football League. I've sat here and watched him play for, for you know, four seasons now, and I'm still blown away how this guy's never been voted to the Pro Bowl. It's a travesty. It's an, it's an absolute travesty that Anthony Costanzo was not voted to the Pro Bowl. Now, Anthony doesn't care about things like that. Um, but I can tell you this, his teammates do, because every time I've called Quentin or Ryan Kelly and tell them congratulations on, you know, to the Pro Bowl, the first time, they, the first thing, you know, they ask is, well, did Anthony get voted in? So he's going to be missed, not only – the player, but the person. I mean, I love Anthony Costanza. He's got a great family. He's dedicated. Nobody works harder in the offseason. I would say we got very close, you know, especially here in the last two years. Um, extremely intelligent, smart, thoughtful, cares about others. You know, I am happy for Anthony that he is, he is uh, retiring on his own terms. Um, but he is really special both as a player and as a man. And, and the Colts have been lucky to, to have Anthony Costanzo. Couldn't have said any better myself. Anthony Costanzo is the most underrated left tackle in the National Football League, and it should be a federal offense 
that he was never voted to a Pro Bowl. The fact that he retires without a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro to his name when he's been as durable and consistent and the type of teammate he is and leader he is over the last 10 years is really a shame. It really is a shame, especially 2018, 19, and 20. The fact that he never got the recognition, he's playing next to a first-team All-Pro who's playing next to a second-team All-Pro, and he couldn't even get to a Pro Bowl. Anthony Costanzo was a big-time snub the last couple of years on the Pro Bowl voting and that second-team All-Pro voting. I thought in 2018, 2019, you could have easily made the argument that he was a second-team All-Pro and he belonged in that echelon of players. But unfortunately, not the case, and now he retires, and everything Ballard said is spot on. Great leader, great teammate, hard worker, showed up every day, never complained, and he will be missed in Indianapolis, not just on the line, not just on the field as our starting left tackle, but in the locker room and in the community. He was a big part of the Colts for the last decade in Indianapolis. And now here's Chris Ballard on T.Y. Hilton, his relationship with T.Y., and Hilton potentially hitting the open market in March. T.Y. Hilton is a is a really special dude. Before we played Buffalo, man, I walked out. I said, I love you. I do. And, you know, T.Y. is not the most emotional guy, but he gave me a hug. And he knows he's a he's special, man, as a person and as a teammate and as a competitor. As to his ability, T.Y. can still play. He can still play. You know, whether it's at the level it was four or five years ago, well, no, we all – I mean, as you get older, you got to find different ways. But I'll tell you this, T.Y. is smart, instinctive, knows how to get open, and he still has value. We'll see how it works out here over the long haul. But I'll tell you this, I, we value T.Y. We think he's a, he, uh, he still can play, um, and he's, a, he's been a great Cole. So Ballard obviously not giving anything away there in terms of what we're going to do with T.Y., but he says he still has value. And the way I look at it, when you go back to the first quote, about open market and if another team offers more than we offer, we're going to have to let that player go. When I look at T.Y., I think his value to the Colts will outweigh his market value. I really do. So when you look at Xavier Rhodes, if a team wants to pay him like it's 2016, we will lose him. But T.Y., I don't think any team is going to pay him and value him the way we do. So personally, Ballard's not going to say it right now. And of course, you do have to let the market play out. And if a team wants to give T.Y., eight to 10 million a year or something ridiculous like that, then yeah, we're going to lose him. But over the course of three, four years, we will lose him. But right now I just feel like the market will be lower on TY than the Colts are. And he will be back. Now Ballard's not going to say that right now because he has to let the market play itself out. And he's not going to say anything that's going to come back and not be true. He's not going to say, yeah, we're going to get something done with TY and then have TY go sign with Chicago in a couple weeks. So I thought Ballard handled the question perfectly, and I also think T.Y. will be back. I think we have to let it play out, but I think in the long run, he will be back with the Colts on a, let's say, two-year deal in March. I really, really do believe that to be the case. He came on later in the season, and even the beginning part, minus the drops, which weren't an issue later in the season, minus the drops early on, he was still creating separation. He was still drawing what should have been pass interference calls. He didn't get most of them because for some reason officials hate T.Y. Hilton. But T.Y. was still getting open. He was still creating separation. And then later in the season, he was a huge part of this offense. Him and Jonathan Taylor, Phillip Rivers starting to get comfortable in the offense and Rivers and T.Y. building that bond, building that connection and starting to have a little bit of chemistry in the second part 
of the season. So I want to see T.Y. back. I really do believe he will be back. And even when you look at the beginning part of the year, I don't think he was as bad as the numbers indicated because he was still able to create separation. And then everything Ballard said about him as a person and a man and all those things. Obviously, T.Y. is a cult through and through. And now, if you re-sign him, he will be the longest tenured cult after Anthony Costanzo's retirement. So T.Y. has been here a long time, since 2012, and he's a big part of this team. Here's Ballard now on Philip Rivers' early season struggles in Indianapolis. I know Philip took some criticism, undeserved, you know, undeserved. He threw some, he threw some balls. I think he'd rather have back early in the season. No off season, completely different team, um, new players. He's getting used to. I mean, sometimes I wonder if we ever take that into account. I mean, I was concerned early in the season with no off season and a brand new quarterback how we were going to adjust. Um, and I thought over time, you know, you know, after we got about game six or seven, um, he really came into his own and, and, uh, really started playing good football. Spot on take by Ballard here. And we said it in September, we need to give Phillip Rivers the benefit of the doubt. He didn't have a normal training camp. He didn't have a preseason. He has all these new wide receivers, new running backs, new offensive line, new system, new coaches, Yes, he spent time with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni in San Diego a number of years ago. I'm sure there's been a ton of adjustments and tweaks to the system, so he has to get reacclimated to it. You have all these new wide receivers you don't have chemistry with. You have a center snapping you the ball you don't have chemistry with. You have a new offensive line, new running backs. You have a rookie running back starting behind you week two and beyond. So there was a lot of new puzzle pieces in Indianapolis, and a lot of people gave Rivers crap for it in the beginning of the season. And yes, he made mistakes, and Ballard said it perfectly. Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, he made throws he wished he had back. But at the same time, a lot of people weren't being fair. And we said it numerous times in September and October. He's going to have to work through these kinks because everything around him is brand new. And he didn't have the luxury of a non-COVID year where you have a training camp and you have a preseason and you have snaps and you have live defenses that you get to see and joint practices. He didn't get any of that this year. And it's not like he had 16 bad games and we missed the playoffs and we're making excuses. He got it together in the middle of the season and finished the season pretty strong. And we made the playoffs and we went 11-5. and And I think that if you go back and you replay the whole season, I think he has a much better season. I think we probably win 12 games. We definitely beat the Jaguars week one. And I think that he proved it. I think he proved it by finishing the year strong, making the playoffs, cutting down on the turnovers. I think he proved that had he have had a training camp and a preseason, he would have had a much better start to the season. And here's Ballard on Anthony Walker and Marla Mack now as they head into their first free agencies as Colts. And those are two guys from Ballard's first draft class back in 2017 when he first took over as the Colts general manager. So I got a special relationship with Anthony Walker, selfless team guy, rare leader. I hope he gets into coaching one day or Scott Hill. Mark my words on this. Anthony Walker, if he gets into coaching, will be a head football coach in the National Football League. And if he gets into scouting, he'll be a general manager. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And he's made of the right stuff. I know Anthony wants to play more. We value Anthony. Um, we'll see how it works out, but I want, I want good for Anthony. Marlon Mack broke my heart. That sucked. That was hard. That was really hard. Um, and it was hard on him, but he's so tough minded. 
Um, I've watched him work his butt off here all season to get back. Marlon Mack deserves a contract. Unequivocally, he deserves a good contract. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that here. Saying that, uh, I'm not going to say Marlon Mack's not going to be back because I think he's really special as a player. And I could just see a backfield with Marlon, Jonathan, and Naheem uh, and Wilkins being really special. Um, so I'm not going to discount it. Uh, but Marlon, I think Marlon Mack is a, is a great player um, and deserves what he has coming to him. We'll start off with Anthony Walker, and Ballard pays him the highest possible compliment you could pay a player for their football IQ. He said if he wants to get into coaching, he will be a head coach in the National Football League. If he wants to get into scouting, he will be a general manager in the National Football League. There are only 32 head coaching jobs and 32 general manager jobs. Chris Ballard believes that Anthony Walker could do either one of those jobs on the NFL level, not college. There's a billion head coaching jobs in college. He believes he could be a head coach in the National Football League or a general manager in the National Football League. So that is the highest possible compliment you could pay a player post-career for their football IQ. That's an incredible quote by Chris Ballard. Now, as far as Anthony Walker, the player right now, he loves him. He loves him as a person. He loves him as a player. But there's obviously certain things physically that Walker is incapable of doing. And you have two freaks and Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke that I think are going to prevent Walker from coming back. And me and Jason have been saying it all year long. We did not think Anthony Walker would be back because in Indianapolis, he's a backup. In another city, he's a starter. And somebody will give him starter money. So you go back to the first quote we played of Ballard in this press conference. Anthony Walker is the perfect player. He likes him, but the market value for Anthony Walker will be more valued than what we will value him in Indianapolis. So Walker, a guy, in my opinion, who will not be back. And when you look at this season, he played less and less and less snaps as the year went on. He really struggled in coverage. And when you have a guy like Okariki now going into his third year next year and you already have a first-team All-Pro in Darius Leonard, there's just not enough space for Anthony. And why would you pay him when you could probably get the same caliber player in the, let's say, fourth or fifth round of the draft this year at a fraction of the price? So in my opinion, I never thought Walker would be back. Ballard obviously has a super tight connection with him. I do believe Ballard would pay him a little bit more than he'd like to be a backup, but it won't be able to match the money that another team could give him as a starter. Plus, if you're Walker, not only the money, you also want to play. You want to be out there for 75-80% of the snaps. And at the end of the year this year, I think he was only on the field for about 36-37% of the snaps. So you know he wants to play more, plus he wants more money. So Anthony Walker in my opinion, will be gone. I felt like that all year. I still feel like that after this quote, even with the high, high praise for his football IQ and his character, I don't think Anthony Walker will be back. And then Marlon Mack, he basically says Mack won't be back, and then he opens the door a crack at the end. And just like Ballard, my heart breaks for Marlon Mack. Watching him go down, he's one of my favorite players on this team with a torn Achilles, one of the worst possible injuries you could have. As an athlete, especially an explosive athlete, an athlete that has to be able to cut and move like Marlon Mack, it sucks to see him go down with this injury. So 
I don't think he'll be back, but Ballard does open the door a crack and Max, a guy who deserves to get paid. I believe he will get paid by somebody, but the timetable of the injury also hurts. So if Max still available in August, and I hope this isn't the case because I really want him to get his money. I want him to get paid as soon as possible. Let's say he's available in August and you could bring him back and he's healthy and he's able to play. I would love to see it. And a backfield of Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins would be a scary four-headed monster. So I would love to see Marlon Mack back. I just don't know if it's realistic. And that's basically what Ballard said. So I thought he answered that question besides the insane compliments that I didn't see coming for Anthony Walker. I'm not surprised because I know Ballard loves him and I know he's a really smart guy. But besides that, in terms of the direction we go on Walker and Mack in free agency, I'm not surprised. And we'll close this out with a quote that nobody put anywhere online yesterday. This was not on Twitter. This was nowhere on Colts social media. The media didn't talk about this quote. This might be my favorite quote of the day from Chris Ballard, holding himself accountable when asked if he's pissed at himself, essentially, for any mistakes he may have made going into this season. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I kicked myself up. I beat myself up pretty good. You know, when we started having all the injuries on the O-line. Bang. Mic drop. Chris Ballard holding himself accountable for not addressing O-line depth. You could cut the quote right there. He holds himself accountable. We never saw that with Ryan Grigson. Missing on Philip Dorsett. Missing on first-round picks. Missing on Bjorn Werner. Trading a first-round pick for Trent Richardson. He never held himself accountable. The O-line sucked. The starting O-line was filled with Raven Clarks and Chaz Greens for years in Indianapolis. He never held himself accountable. He actually threw his player under the bus. When you pay Andrew what we pay Andrew, Chris Ballard values depth. He values the offensive line, not just one through five, but one through nine, one through ten. And last year he made a mistake, and he knows he made a mistake. He did a decent job at the end of the year, or a good job at the end of the year, fixing it with Valdir. But during the season, after week five, he failed to address it. And he knows he failed to address it. And he's mad at himself. And he's holding himself accountable. And that is a true leader. A true leader holds themselves accountable. It's not just the players. It's not just the coaches. Sometimes you have to look in the mirror and it's you. And Ballard, who is perfect 99% of the time, made a massive, massive mistake with the tackle depth on this roster. But guess what? He's going to fix it. And I guarantee you, we will be four tackles deep next year. And that's with having to replace Anthony Costanzo. You're going to have a starter. Then you're going to have two quality, quality backups. And, of course, Braden Smith, one of the best right tackles in the National Football League. I don't know how Ballard's going to do it, but I guarantee it gets done. And our interior depth was solid. With Hunt, with Pinter, it was solid interior. We need help at the tackle spots. We knew it going into the year. And Ballard made a mistake. It happens. He's a human being. It happens. But he has the ability to look in the mirror, to hold himself accountable, and to say, I have to be better. And you could put Chris Ballard and Ryan Grigson side by side, and Ballard beats him in every category. In scouting, in talent evaluation, in how he handles free agency, in every possible category. But the most important which in my opinion might even transcend. It might go beyond the drafts, which he's knocked out of the park and Grigson has failed miserably at, and free agency and everything. 
is the ability to look in the mirror and hold yourself accountable. He doesn't throw players under the bus. He doesn't throw coaches under the bus. It's him. He looks in the mirror, and at the end of the day, he's the least of our problems, and he still has the ability, and that is leadership, and you need that from the top of your organization because Chris Ballard is running this organization. It's not Jim Irsay. It's not Frank Reich. It's Chris Ballard, and we could not be in better hands as Colt fans. Me and Jason this week, guys, are going to go over our 2020 season review. We're going to give out some 2020 awards, and we are also going to begin to look at in-house free agents. We touched on that a little bit in this one, as Ballard did, but we'll start to go over the guys we want back and the guys we think are better off walking in free agency. We'll get into that to start off next week right here on the For the Culture Podcast.